I can just imagine him in a meeting. You know, yes, this is the contract I've been waiting for. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you very much, Jerry. And he signs his name, and then he stands up and he says, I'm going to go ahead and have the surgery now. You can't turn the football over 17 times and think you're going to win a game. Can't do it. Won't do it. Cole, I appreciate everything you did for the Dallas Cowboys. Cole, go get your money. <laughs> I mess up his name. I can't even get this. That's a kitty. That's a kitty. That's a kitty. But at the same time, oh, we're going to shackle them in? We're going to take over? <laughs> you are not Diana Prince. This is not Themyscira. I saw it coming. That's why I went solo. You'll never see me coming. Don't believe the hype. The Dallas Cowboys come out and play like the team we've been expecting to show up for the whole 2019 NFL season where has all this been all season long and is it a dream or a reality welcome to every living and breathing intelligent biped on the planet earth to this sick Oh, it's your boy, the man, the myth, the hashtag legend in my own mind. Big day talking not only sports, but news of all kinds. This episode of this sick show being brought to you by Cartapause. Feeling stressed? Not anymore. But if you are feeling stressed, it is an unpleasant part of life, so called Colorpods. Colorpods is committed to providing individuals, groups, ministries, and businesses with great space solutions. Visit Colorpods.org today. That's K A T A P A U S E dot org and discover real solutions for life. The Dallas Football. Cowboys convincingly beat the Los Angeles Rams at home at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Just a stone's throw from my studio. They beat them by a score of 44 to 21, bringing their record to 7 and 7 and puts them in a tie for first place with the Philadelphia Uggles. That's right, I said Uggles. Because the Philadelphia so-called Eagles are the ugliest team and they have the ugliest fan base in the NFL. But before the game even got started, it started out like it was going to be business as usual for the Cowboys as mistakes were made 
during the coin toss. Dak Prescott, who was at the center of this coin toss controversy prior to the game against the Rams. Prescott and his teammates joined the Rams at midfield for the coin toss. The Cowboys won the toss and Prescott had the option either to receive the ball right away or to defer to the second half. Gave his answer to the referee known as Walt Anderson. And Anderson apparently heard Prescott say that the Cowboys wanted to kick the ball instead of saying they wanted to defer to the second half. Prescott told coach Jason Garrett and he said he wanted the team to defer to the second half. This caused a controversy but New York got involved and the Cowboys kicked to the Rams and the Rams ended up receiving the ball in the first half and the Cowboys ended up getting the ball in the second half. And Prescott apparently told Anderson he wanted to defend and to kick the ball away. But he said, we deferred to the second half. The Cowboys see that ball in that second half because New York called into the referees as they deliberated at halftime. At that point, Dallas was leading 28-7 in the first half. This thing started out 0-0, of course, but then it looked like that the Dallas Cowboys finally was going to get their act together in the second quarter as they outscored the Los Angeles Rams 21-7. Dak Prescott in this game threw for 212 yards and two touchdowns, but the big story was the yards gained on the rushing side. Mr. 90 million, Zeke Elliott was 24, had 24 carries for 117 yards and two touchdowns. Tony Pollard got into the act. 12 carries for 131 yards and one touchdown. Dak Prescott ran for 12 yards and Tavon Austin ran for three yards. But it was the rushing attack that helped the Cowboys win that game. It's only the second time in history that the Dallas Cowboys have had two running backs in the same game rush for over 100 yards. Guess who got the first time in history? Elliott and Pollard. Now, for the second time in history, once again, it's Elliott and Pollard. Sort of like Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Elliot and Pollard did their thing. But my question is with all of these stats, and of course, Tavon Austin had a 59-yard catch for a touchdown, and Jason Garrett got a touchdown in that first half of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not looking at all of that, and we can look at the stats and everything, but I'm looking at is this fool's goal? Because if the Dallas Cowboys win 
against the Philadelphia Uggles. They will essentially win the NFC East. They'll become division champs. And they will host the first playoff game. They won't be on the road. They'll be at home. Well, who are they going to get at home? Right now, looks like it could be Seattle. It could be San Francisco. There's a slight chance it might even be the Minnesota Vikings. But every team that they're playing against, other than the Minnesota Vikings, have only lost, what, two, three games? Their winning percentage is much higher than the Dallas Cowboys. Where do you think the Cowboys are going to go in the playoffs? Just because they won that game convincingly against the Rams doesn't mean they're going to run the table. Slow down, Cowboy fans. Slow down. Hold off on the Super Bowl comments. Just stop. I am going to tell you right now. If the Dallas Cowboys catch lightning in a bottle, which they would have to do, if the Dallas Cowboys run the table, and if they get to the Super Bowl, if they win the Super Bowl, Notice I'm saying if before everything. As a Cowboy fan, I will be ecstatic. I will be happy. Of course, I'm going to be happy. But I will say on the record right now, I didn't think that this was the year they were going to do it. With basically 75% lackluster performance for the whole year. See, I'm not like a regular Dallas Cowboy fan. I look at the reality of the situation and yes, I'm still calling for Jason Garrett's resignation. Even if he wins the Super Bowl. I'm still calling for it. He's got to go. Charles Boyd and I had a discussion yesterday and we talked about this in depth and I said that Cowboys were playing for their jobs. Charles Boyd alluded to the fact that the Cowboys are playing for Jason Garrett's job. And I'm like, no, they're playing because extension contracts. And I'm here to tell you at some point, Jerry Jones got involved and he went in and told him at some point in practice for this game or on a phone call. Now, now, I'm just going to tell you as the owner of the Cowboys, if you don't win this game against Los Angeles Rams, I'm going to stick it to every one of you. Matter of fact, I'm going to ram your contract. That's what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to stop it. And then you can go on and find another team because I'm a bloated team up. If you want to work for me and you want to stay here in Dallas, then you better go out and you better win that game. Win it for your contracts. Not for Jason because Jason's pretty much gone. So you don't have to win it for Jason. You've got to win it for yourselves so that you can get your paycheck. Now, if you want your paycheck, especially you, Dad, you want that 38 million or 34 million, whatever we're talking about, discussion, then you're going to go out there and you're going to do a heck of a job. And as far as your receivers, you're going to give Dak some help. And as far as Ezekiel's concerned, I'm paying $90 million for him to run that football. I want you to force feed Zeke. And if I see you're not force feeding Zeke, then I'm going to fire you anyway. That's all I've got to say. Now, let's go out there and let's win this game against these awful Rams. Go Cowboys! That's what Jerry Jones probably said in the locker room or over the phone. Because you know you can do that. You can FaceTime everybody and put everybody on the phone. You can Google everybody and put everybody on the phone. You can message everybody. Put everybody on the phone. You can even portal everybody on Facebook now and put everybody on the phone. I guarantee you that's what Jerry said. And Jerry was in the press box. And Jerry was just a clapping and smiling. And everybody was having fun. That's all good. But you win the division, you get in the playoffs, the fun and games stops right there. My whole point is take advantage of this win. Get Keep the momentum behind you and go ahead and try to put at least a couple of games under your belt. Get to the NFC Championship and I might start believing again. But until you do that, hey, it is what it is. When we come back, we got to talk about the Dallas Mavericks and the situation with Luca going down with an ankle injury. How does this work for the Dallas Mavericks going forward? When we come back, Right here on this. Sick. Oh. Holidays are pretty much over. You still can take advantage of some big deals and big savings. 
by going to our BGC Big Deals page. Take advantage of all the deals and offers that are offered by our affiliates. Meaning that even after Christmas and going into the new year, there's still going to be some big deals all year long. So go to the BGC Big Deals page at bgcsports.net. Take advantage. I'm serious. Take advantage of those deals, people. All from the station knows about doing things big. We are the big game Christian Sports Network, also known as BGCSports.net. Well, the timing couldn't have come at a more horrible time when it comes to the Dallas Mavericks being without their phenomenal star point guard, Luka Doncic. I know on this show, we have not discussed the Mavericks. We have not discussed Luka Doncic, but to bring you up to speed on who Luka Doncic is, he is the point guard for the Dallas Mavericks. Luke is only 20 years old, being born February 28, 1999. Was born in Zubanja or Zabanya, Slovenia. At, and he's 6'7. The Slovenian weighs 218 pounds and he wears number 77. Basically, he's a point guard and a small forward for the Dallas Mavericks. And he was picked up as a first round draft pick. He was a number three pick overall. And this season, Luka is averaging 23.3 points a game, 8.3 rebounds, 6.7 assists. And people are already talking about MVP and what's crazy is he's in the conversation of MVP along with LeBron James who's having an incredible season with the Los Angeles Lakers you know the Lakers uh, acquired Anthony Davis from the New Orleans Pelicans Lakers are sitting atop the Western Conference at number one. The Lakers have only lost three games so far this year. Right behind them, number two is the Clippers. Sitting at number three is the Mavericks. And the Nuggets are right on the Mavericks' heels. So are the Houston Rockets. You can't count out the Jazz, who's sitting there and have lost about 11 games. Everybody else is suspect until proven differently. Where are the Warriors? Warriors come out and play. Warriors come out and play. Golden State Warriors are 
a shell of themselves. The dynasty is over. The Golden State Warriors now sit in dead last in the Western Conference. Right now, they've lost 23 games and have only lost, I mean, only won about five games. We know this is not the Warrior team, but Steph Curry is out for the season with them. Uh, Draymond still running the point and passing the balls off the backboards to who? I mean, that, that last pass that he did the other night, pass it off. He thought somebody was going to come in and trail and dunk the ball and he passed it off the backboard and it went to nobody. Maybe, maybe it was meant for Ghostman. Triple zero, Ghostman. Ghostman comes down the lane. Ghostman shakes and base. Ghostman does a 360 dunk off the backboard. Ghostman scores. Maybe that's who he was throwing the ball to. But I digress. Let me get back to Luca. Luca was playing in a game the other day and he stepped on the other defensive player's foot as he was driving to the basket. And you saw him roll that right ankle of his. And when I saw it happen, I was like, Ooh, I know that hurts. Because being a former basketball player myself, who played in the college ranks, I played in the NAIA, the NAIA, I played for the University of Charleston, I played against Division II teams and Division I teams when I played back in 1986, between 86 and 89. So... I know what it's like to roll your ankle. I've had a couple of rolling ankles, rolled knees, displaced elbows. So Luka Doncic is going to be out for the Dallas Mavericks. So before I go any further with this talk about Luka and the Dallas Mavericks and rolling ankles and knees and carrying on, I want to bring on for the first time to this sick show, the BGC Sports NBA analyst, contessor, professional, legal, whatever his, whatever his, what you call it is at BGC. All I know is he knows the NBA and the Dallas Mavericks inside and out. Please welcome to the show, Mr. On Point with Charles Boyd. What's going on, Charles? Big day. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Ain't too much going on, but we're just trying to figure out what's going to happen with these Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic's injury. So that's that's big right now. What are the Dallas Mavericks going to do? Because I know that Hardaway Jr. is the pretty much the shooting guard. But you're going to have to give J.J. Barea more time. And how is that going to affect the Mavericks as far as their scoring is concerned? Is Porzingis going to be able to step up and give you 24 a night to make up for the loss of Luka? Or what are the Mavericks going to look like going forward? Man, you know what, Big Day? It's, that, that's a hard thing to to really map out and piece together. Um 
but you hit the nail on the head. Uh, Porzingis, this is time now to show, you know, why the Mavericks went and traded for him last season. Uh, he's the proverbial unicorn, as a lot of these, a lot of the players around the league like to describe him as. So he's going to really have to show that whenever uh, this they get to put a product on the, on the court that doesn't include Luka Doncic. As we all know, Luka Doncic has been absolutely incredible, uh, especially in the month of November, December. He's been even better. Um, so now you're looking at Porzingis being a guy and showing what he's capable of doing, you know, and he, he struggled. In all honesty, Porzingis has struggled since he's been on the court with Luka. Uh, just finding just a, a legitimate, consistent production flow of what he can actually do. And now we're having to see, you know, what what can he do being the main focal point? I mean, there's there's been a committee of guys that stepped in for the Mavericks, you know, in terms of, you know, Jay Jalen Brunson, you know, JJ Barea, mm-hmm. all these guys. It, it just has not been a flow of who consistently can do something. And you mentioned Tim Hardaway Jr. who stepped up to the plate, but you gotta think think about this. I think the reason why he's been so good is because Luca has been on the floor. Right. So without him, it's going to be very difficult to see what this team could do. Well, when you think of a unicorn, it's a mythological creature anyway. Right. It, it, it really doesn't exist or does it? Because, you know, some people have said that unicorns existed back in the day. So, where I'm going with this is, can we trust in a mythological creature such as Porzingis going forward with the Dallas Mavericks? Do we want to trust in this mythological seven foot three, don't want to play under the basket, shoot three pointers all the time player that the Mavericks have? What is Rick Carlisle going to do? It's it's a it's a load, and nothing required. The, the one thing the Mavericks do have in their favor is, you know, Rick Carlisle is a he's a smart basketball coach. He definitely yes knows that you know Luke is the main focal point of this team, but he's going to put some type of concoction together of a different mixture of players to try to make this thing work. He really is. I think that's going to be um, something that he does. To really figure out, you know, what what mixture of players can really make up for the Luka Doncic uh, production, which is a lot. I mean, you're talking about a guy on a, on his on a really good night who could give you a 30 point triple double, right? You know, and even more so. I mean, when he's feeling really good, he gives you a 40 point triple double. So it's hard to really match that production but the the Mavericks gonna have to really step up and figure out ways to to probably be even more productive on defense and also uh find a way to be more productive on on just you know rotating the ball and poor signals gonna have to step up I mean it's not impossible but it's gonna be a tall order well here's what I've seen from the Mavericks so far The Mavericks are busy outscoring everybody else. There's got to be better defense played if the Mavericks want to even think about 
you know, being in an NBA Finals. Because right now they're in third place. But you've got the Nuggets nipping at your heels. You got the Rockets nipping at your heels. You can't count out Utah. Even though they're a little bit behind right now. They're like, what, seven games back or something like that? And, yeah, and, right. and, and my thing is, is that at some point you're going to have to play defense and shut some folks down. This 121, 117 victories, 142 to 141 victories. I mean, you're not playing no defense. Everything is based on your offense. Now that Luke is gone, are you going to be scoring 121? I doubt it. Well, not on a consistent basis, but you, you got to think about this too, Big Day. It's the way of the NBA right now. It's completely the way of the NBA. Guys are scoring 120, 130 points a game. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I was actually looking at some stuff to figure out, like, how do we get to this point in the NBA? How do we finally get to this point where, you know, the, the, the offense is the the main focal point or is king in the NBA. It's and it's still you still can live by the mantra of defense wins championships. You you can. I mean because Toronto proved that last year. I mean they were a pretty good defensive team. But it is definitely where the NBA at this point. And the Mavericks are gonna have to try to put together a package of things that they can do to try to keep the, uh, those scores low because you really don't have a guy who can take over the game and give you that on a regular basis. Unless, like I said, Porzingis steps in to that role and does what he needs to do. Mavericks, where do they end up at the end of the season? Are they going to be a playoff team to contend with? Let me ask you that. Um, we know the top eight go in the Western Conference. The Mavericks better be in that top eight. Where do you see them finishing at the end of the season? Oh, man. You know, when I hate to say this, Maverick fans out there, um, man, this is going to be tough. But this is almost reminiscent of the LeBron James injury last year with the Lakers. Remember where the Lakers were seated at before he got hurt on Christmas Day? They were, well, I think, number two or three seed. LeBron gets hurt, and then all of a sudden, the Lakers just spiraled out of control. And even after LeBron returned, the West was too tough to get back into contention. Right. So, this could possibly be a thing, because we, we're talking about right now, you know, Luka being um, out at least two weeks. We know that for sure. But we know how high ankle sprains can go. It, it can linger. Right. It can definitely linger, man. And, and it could, you know, push on out to three weeks or even four. So, with that being said, I mean, I don't, it's not a growing injury. And Luke is a whole lot younger than LeBron. So, I think they can come back and he can come back and they can get on track. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the Mavericks will be at eight place. Uh, will be uh, in the eighth, one of the top eight teams in the West. Now, where you place them at after this injury, that's going to be pretty tough. Because at first, I was predicting they'd be somewhere around three, four, somewhere around that range. But now, uh, they could probably be a lower playoff seed, which means you have to run into a team that's going to be a tough uh, out uh, in that first round. So, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, I'm thinking the Mavericks do still make the playoffs. 
probably around like a seven or six seed. Well, we want to thank Charles Boyd for coming on here on this sick show. Charles, I got I've, I've got your actual title: NBA and WNBA analyst and contributor. That's his official title. So I didn't want you all to think that made you sound really important. <laughs> I didn't want the people thinking I didn't know who you were. You know. So what you have to say carries weight, uh, especially you know when we're doing talk shows and especially here on the BGC Sports Network. So Charles, I just want to thank you for that, man. Hey, I appreciate you for 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 crowning me those things as such. <laughs> uh, uh, no problem. No problem. All right. When we come back, y'all, we've got to talk about those gates. I'm talking from Spy Gate to Massage Gate down to Deflate Gate and Spy Gate 2. We got to talk about those New England Patriots who are not looking like the Patriots of old right now. And I want to talk to you personally about Bill Belichick and what he had to say about this whole gating situation. When we come back, right here on this sick show. Welcome back to segment three of this Sick Show. I have asked my homeboy, my dude, my, my, my right hand man, Mr. On Point with Charles Boyd, to come back and let's talk about this situation that's going on in the NFL with all the gates. But before we get started with that, Charles, I want to ask you this question. With that win over the Los Angeles Rams, are the Cowboys now contenders or are they pretenders? Is it a dream or is it a reality? The Cowboys are. (laughs) Um, They're fun to watch. Uh, you don't know what you're going to get out of the scene. You don't know what product is going to come out on the field. Um, are the are the Rams a good football team? Uh, yes, but they've been inconsistent this year as well. Um, I would much rather see them find a way to win that game in New Orleans. Uh, much rather find them find a way to win a game against the Patriots. You know, those teams are a little bit more consistent. Even though you mentioned they're not the Patriots of old, they're still a good football team. You know, I think they're just... This year, instead of being just incredible, they've been just good. So, find a way to win teams, winning a team like that, I think, better. But like I said, you, you know, that's a team that you... I think you can you can beat the Rams. You can find a way to beat the Rams, and the Cowboys uh, did that. They did. So, uh, yeah, you, you got to be able to win the record. Uh, and you played great. 
But well, you know what happens? Come playoff time, I don't think that uh, I don't think you can win. I don't think you can win against a, a really good football team. If you run up against a Seattle or San Francisco, something like that, I don't think they find a way to win. Just the fact that you can sit there and yawn while you're talking about the Cowboys tells us a lot. Yeah, I mean that's the, I was yesterday to me was uneventful. It was uneventful. I was kind of like, oh okay, Cowboys won. It wasn't like if this was five weeks into season and let's say the Rams are four and one or something, then and the Cowboys beat them, they'll be more time. Man, look what we beat. We beat the Rams. The Rams in the Super Bowl last year. My good, you know, it'd be that type of reaction. But this point in the season, backs against the wall. You know, you're desperate. I, I expected the, the Cowboys to come out and play with that type of urgency. Well, we we will see. We'll uh-huh. see. I mean, I, hey, you go into okay. Let's just say you beat the Philadelphia Uggles, right? Uh-huh. And you know, I call them Uggles because they're ugly. Yeah, they and, are. They've been very good this year. Yeah, and let's say you beat the Uggles. Okay, who you gonna play in the first round? You could end up playing Seattle. Uh-huh. You might get San Francisco. Right. You might fool around and get Minnesota, who yeah. already beat you in Dallas. Yeah. You don't want to go up against Green Bay because Green Bay owns your behind. In the playoffs, yeah, yeah. Well, they own the Dallas Cowboys in AT&T Stadium. Yeah. Green Bay comes home to play when they come to AT&T. We're home, you And that's, that's sad. Yeah. That is so sad. But since I've kept you on the phone, uh-huh. let's talk about the New England Patriots. <laughs> yeah. All right. The Patriots have got caught doing what they do best, and that is committing high crimes and misdemeanors in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They got caught filming the hapless. Cincinnati Bengals to get an edge up to play a team that's only won two games, three games, something like that. I think I think I'm only won one game. One game. I'm giving them too much credit. You are. <laughs> and today they put it out on ABC News. It was, of course, on TMZ Sports, where the security guard comes in and says, "Um, what are you doing? You're filming." the sideline and they had a conversation about it and the security guard even said perhaps we want to just delete this film and the guy was like well no I was told to do this and we're doing this for a special show for the New England Patriots and because of that the security guard reported it and then the bingo security came in and said hey give us the film you had the option to destroy the evidence is it safe to say yes, there was quid pro quo in this that, regard? That's that's the most popular term of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> quid pro quo. Uh, I, I think so. I think it, it happens all around us. Absolutely. I think the the, uh, the Bengals uh, were being spied on. They were being, you know, uh, uh, scouted, if you will. And not in the most appropriate way they should have been scouted. And the thing is, big question of the day is: Did Bill Belichick, the coaching staff, and 
all and the actual organization of the Patriots, did they know about it? That's the question. And in my opinion, I think they did. I think they did. And it's very easy for me to go have a conversation behind closed doors with somebody that's not involved with my organization and say, hey, listen, I want you to come in and quote unquote air quotes, if you will, <laughs> film a documentary about my, my, my team and so on and so forth. And then you go out and record a team that we're preparing to play against. Right. Wow. So yeah, just so you know, I just want you to just kind of have your camera pointed towards that sideline, you know, while while they're practicing, so we can get a competitive edge. And, and, and I pick, mean, thing, yeah, pick up signals while you're there. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think that the the, the Patriots have been doing things like this all along. I think they have. But here's the thing: it's unpopular to speak out against them because they've been winners. They've won. Championship after championship after championship. They got the they got the customized plane that has the ring, the Super Bowl trophies on the back of it, all this good stuff like that. They just are a great franchise. We we've seen what they've accomplished, you know, in the Belichick Brady era. So it's unpopular to speak out against them, um, especially amongst the fans. But let's call those things as they are. Right. And I think that's what it is. It's absolutely a cheating situation it is certainly another gate to add to their their plethora of gates that they have so absolutely i think it's i think it is the uh, the patrons who are who are uh, who are cheating or are doing things uh in a distasteful manner in terms of competition well i mean think about it like this first you had spygate number one and that involved the patriots and was it the jets or uh, spygate Spargate number one yet I think that was the chance yeah. Okay alright So then You ended up having Deflate game mm-hmm. Which that was, that was Super Bowl Which Which Dougie Spoons Who was the equipment manager On Saturday Night Live Said He did the job That he was told to do Yeah You're doggone right I deflated the footballs <clears throat> Mm-hmm. They got in trouble for that. They were fined for that, about a million dollars. And Tom Brady had to sit out, what was it, four games? He had to sit out for a deflate game. Right. Then you have the owner in Massage Gate. Robert Kraft gets caught getting so-called massages yeah. from, you know, individuals uh-huh. and, and 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 things that was not going the way that they should and they were massaging places that they should not have <laughs> and he got caught up in that now you have spy gate number two it rolls down from above they get it from their daddy Robert Kraft <laughs> I'm just saying you, you, you got to look at that for what it really is and this is the thing that got me when they asked Belichick about this particular one Belichick said we didn't have anything to do with it no no let me say it in good Yoda Belichick fashion in regards to gate spy we have nothing to do with this one 
Super Bowl champion six times? Are we? We look for edges that are competitive. Always. But this time, we are not responsible, <laughs> are we? For we are champions. <laughs> Always. And forever. Super Bowl. That's basically what he said. <laughs> he, yep. he, he answered it by saying, we didn't cheat on this particular one, but we are known to get a competitive advantage. We'll do anything we can to get a competitive advantage, but we are not responsible for this one. So you admit it to the other ones. And, 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 and I'm sitting there like, did y'all not hear what he said? Even Stephen A. And I get on Stephen A. a lot about some crazy stuff that he be doing. But you know what? He was on point. To use yeah. the vernacular, you know, correct? Yeah, well, yeah, thank you for using my name. Right. Uh, yeah, no problem. No problem. <laughs> and he said... He didn't admit to this one, but he actually admitted to the rest of them. By saying, we look for competitive advantages at all turns. Come on, Charles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This smells like Belichick. Looks like Belichick. Quacks like Belichick. If it's a duck, it's a duck. That's This is Belichick all over again and we're talking about probably the greatest coach to ever coach NFL football Mm -hmm. next to Danny Green yeah you know why I say that why that because only Danny Green could give us legendary quotes like we took the field (laughs) you want to crown him crown him Only Danny Green gave us that stuff. Yes, he did. So he's a legend in my mind. But when it comes to winning Super Bowls, Bill Belichick is the one, along with the combination of Tom, who's now starting to look old, Brady. You you said a whole lot. You said a whole lot in what you just said. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. I tried (laughs) And I, and I can begin to dissect that, uh, but you know, in response to everything that you're, you're just saying, I mean, yeah, looking at the reports and everything of this thing, where you know, it, the explanation of this is absolutely just to me, it's absurd. You know, when you talk about, um, I think it's Mondelio's name, Mondelo, however you pronounce his name, mm-hmm. uh, when they interviewed him and asked him about him filming, uh, he basically said his intent was to show. What uh, what Bill Belichick as a coach looks at through his binoculars in terms of panning, you know, the field and looking at the coaches over there on the other sideline, um, showing what he sees from his perspective. And to me, that sounds like a bunch of malarkey. That's what yes. it sounds like. Yes. Um. Um. And I'm like, this thing has gone on, like you mentioned, on and on and on again. The Patriots have just repeatedly made a name for themselves and had controversy following them in, in almost every almost every regular game, Super Bowl, and what have you. There's always been some sort of conversation that's happening about the Patriots. I mean, here's the thing. 
we're talking about the highest level of football right here that we're, we're we're talking about. And for this team to put together the production they put together, I mean, they won their division what, 20 straight times? Yes. I think it's been 20 straight times they won their won, Well, no, not 20 straight times, I'm sorry. I think they've had, because I... I it's about it's, it's days, 12 or 15, something like that. It's been, yeah, something like that. It's something crazy. But they've had, I think, it's been like 20 straight years or something where they had at least 10 wins or something like that. That's absolutely absurd. Right. And at this at this level of football, is that sustainable? Is that really realistically sustainable? Um I, I can I can argue against that. I mean if that that's the only team that's done it, then how the heck are you doing it? You know how how in how on God's green earth are you doing this thing in terms of sustaining this level of of, of greatness and and Bill Belichick is the guy who makes adjustments. How do you know the right adjustment to make every single time? How do you know this? Because a lot of this is because you know what's going to happen before it's going to happen. Because of the force, which is with us. <laughs> we can dictate where they're going to go. We can. That's that's your ability. Yeah, yeah, and, and Yoda, Yoda knows all, sees all, and can predict all, if you will. But right, I don't think that's because of just how great of a coach he is. He is a really good football coach. Don't get me wrong. Okay, well let's but, let's, let's 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 stop there. We have ran out of time, but I appreciate you staying with me on this edition of this. Oh!